This is Janelle Wood, and you are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. It's officially fall here, and this month I'm looking forward to introducing a new co-host, her questions and her story with you. You're going to love meeting Rachel from Washington State here today. And before Rachel shares her story, I just wanted to say a few things about this episode. First, if you are listening to this and the terms faith deconstruction, progressive Christianity, or even the name Richard Rohr are not unfamiliar to you. In fact, maybe they even sound a bit like a healing balm. There's going to be things here today that resonate with you. And if you are someone for whom those terms are either unfamiliar or on the flip side, you have a kind of adverse reaction to them, this episode is for you too. Whatever your background and position, please listen and reflect on this conversation. Ask yourself what you think of Rachel's views and why what she says resonates or not, but please don't stop with this episode, okay? In sharing her own story, Rachel graciously invites you into her experience with faith, and there are a lot of people who share similar beliefs that she expresses here. You may think her ideas are right on, and you may think they're straight up heretical. Come back next week as we dive in here, okay? I have the benefit of knowing the conversations that are coming, and you're going to want to hear some extended dialogue on the issues and ideas that she brings up. To Rachel, thank you for this. Thank you for being open and vulnerable and sharing your story. And I've thought of this conversation many times since you and I recorded. Over the past few months, I've come back to it many times because as you yourself say in this episode, you said, You need to be able to have people come in and challenge things. You need to be able to look at the world outside of what a religion is supposed to be. You went on to say, what good is it going to do the world if it just falls over in like five minutes? Hey there, in season six, I am looking for young women who can have real conversations about spirituality. Finding something real is a place for questions It's a space for honest dialogue where people from all sides of belief can have a safe and loving space to genuinely talk and explore faith. And it all starts with the conversation, a lot like the episode you're currently listening to. So if you are a young woman between the ages of 18 to 25, you are questioning faith, deconstructing what you've grown up with or wondering about spirituality, And if you have questions about God that you would be willing to talk about on a podcast, if that's you, I would love to schedule a time to meet each other. Go to findingsomethingreal.com and click on be on the podcast for more information. And P.S. If this doesn't describe you, but maybe somebody you love, would you do me a huge favor and tell your loved one? Thanks in advance. I would love to hear from you. Hi friend, this podcast is sponsored in part by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of ups and downs, unexpected twists and turns, and sometimes we struggle with all that can come our way. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with a licensed professional therapist who is also a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line, it's not self-help, 
is professional counseling done securely online. And as someone with a master's degree in counseling psychology and whom at various times in the past 20 or so years has benefited from seeing a professional therapist, I know the value that professional counseling can bring because we all need someone to talk with and faithful counseling can help. Please visit faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real to sign up for professional faith-based counseling. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. There's also a special offer for Finding Something Real listeners to get 10% off your first month at faithfulcounseling.com slash finding something real. Thanks again to Faithful Counseling for being a sponsor of this episode. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And I am so excited because if you've been listening to season six, you know that every month we have a different young woman on here to discuss her faith journey, her questions regarding Christianity or God. And I am so excited to be introducing another young woman to you today. I just met her a couple of weeks ago. Actually, a mutual friend of ours, uh, my friend Janelle, who shares the same birthday as me. (laughs) Uh, It's a long story. Um, Anyway, she's been on the podcast before. I'll put the link in the show notes. Anyway, she's been telling me about this friend of hers for the last few months. It was so sweet. Uh, They connected over a trip to Israel last summer. And uh, I didn't think too much about it until I got a text from this young woman. We connected, uh, like I said, a couple of weeks ago. And I just said, hey, you want to be on here? And she said, yeah. And so I'm so excited to get to know her a little bit more, to hear more of her story. And I also just want to give a shout out to my friend Janelle um, for putting us in contact with one another. Friend, if you're listening right now and you are a person of faith, I know a lot of times, um, you know, we're talking to young people who aren't sure about faith or questioning things. But I also know that there's people who listen to this podcast who feel very firm in what they believe and are listening because uh, they want to be encouraged in their own conversations with young people. If that's you, if you are one of those people listening in um, who feels pretty firm in what you believe as a Christian, hey, send your send your friends over to me. Um, go to findingsomethingreal.com. They can fill out an application to be on this podcast if they're interested, or even just fill out the application to come talk to me or send me an email or a text or an Instagram message. Um, That's how these things happen. Um, And I'm just really grateful. So I just want to introduce today's co-host, this month's co-host, Rachel. Rachel, welcome to the podcast. So good to be here. Oh, this is so exciting. Yay. 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 Look at all this. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Rachel, so no. <laughs> Rachel, have you ever been on a podcast before? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> first, first time for everything. You know, we're in our 20s. We're embracing it. It's it's gonna be good. That's yeah, right. Definitely the first time. <laughs> oh well, I'm so excited that you were interested. And yeah, Janelle and I know you love her too. We've known each other since high school. She's just a real kindred spirit. Um, and uh, so, yeah, how do you know Janelle? Oh, man. So um, Janelle and I wound up meeting this past June, very, very end of June, early July, <laughs> quite literally in Israel. That was fun. Um, and <laughs> 
the way that went was my dad felt a really strong calling at the time to get me onto this trip. I was very much a secular kind of hippie gal before then, and I still have that little hippie part of my heart (laughs) that will never die. Um, But my dad felt this really strong call of needing to get me onto that trip. And so my wonderful father, through a bunch of money and love and time, uh, was able to get me on there when I couldn't get on there myself. And I wound up meeting Janelle, fresh, fresh off the plane, fresh off the ride in Jerusalem at the wonderful Gloria Hotel. For those of you who've been to Jerusalem, you know where I'm talking about, right in the Jaffa Gate. And yeah, she was immediately a beautiful, authentic, just ready to embrace this whole new place uh, type of person. And I really gravitated toward that. It's been a long journey for me to find people like that who are really, really excited about these sorts of journeys and adventures and just transformative faith, essentially. That's really what drew me in where I was like, wow, okay, she's living her truth. She is like fully, fully, fully invested in God. And that that was new for me. That was really new for me of being connected to someone like that in my life. So that's how I knew Janelle. And yes, so <laughs> ever wow. since then, we've been very fast friends and she's really helped me through a lot of rough stuff that came out of that. So wow. love you, Janelle. <laughs> You're amazing. Um, Here's a little Easter egg for Janelle. (laughs) And no, I'm not talking to the third person. This is a real person (laughs) who lives up in Bellingham. (laughs) Um, So Rachel, tell me, uh, you just mentioned briefly the the hippie life. Let's back up a little bit. Tell me about you. Tell me about where you're from and a little bit of your story. Yeah, so I... Am Washington, born and raised. Uh, I am from Bellingham, Washington, and I have recently come back to Bellingham, Washington after a bit of time away after I graduated high school. And pretty much the story that I've carried is kind of of two kind of parallel worlds to each other because my parents split when I was about two years old. And uh, I lived most of my life in, of course, a split home. So I would have my dad's house and I would have my mom's house. And they're only about four blocks away from each other distance wise. And so the way I was raised was my uh, my older sibling and I would walk back and forth between homes every single day for 10 years, 12 years, 14 years uh, pretty much ever since I was eight years old up until I was about 18. So um, throughout that time, my father and stepmother were very much a part of the faith, were very much adamant about God, adamant about Jesus, all of this. And my mother isn't. Like she has been agnostic for the vast majority of her life. I'd say the whole thing. Um, and I was raised kind of between those two things. Mm-hmm. So that definitely created some struggles for me, especially in high school, trying to figure out how to put these two worlds together and, and flat out, I did not do that well. <laughs> I did not do that well, especially in high school. Very much had a double life very much was the girl who would 
show up to show up to small group on Tuesdays and have a have a blast and look the part with all us purity ring toting folks. Um, and then I had a full on boyfriend on weekends and that was all of that and hung out with all the art kids and did drama and all these fun amazing things in between those two identities Mm -hmm. so when i left high school um and this was a process that already started during high school i pretty much had reached the point where i was feeling really done i was feeling really done with christianity i was already on the fence about it for a long time can i ask so I, I oh, just yeah. want to ask a couple follow-up questions. So sure. number one, um, Bellingham, for those of you who aren't familiar, I just want to interject a little bit. It's oh, very kind of artsy, hippie-ish anyway, right? Like alternative, very mm-hmm. similar to Portland in some ways. <laughs> if you've heard Portland, Oregon, like people like a being different. Portland. A gentle Portland. <laughs> it's less hype, but probably just as you know, keep, they say keep Portland weird. I would say Bellingham a little bit like that, right? Like there's a lot of embracing. Yeah. And then, uh, (laughs) so that's a lot of the culture. And then also, I know just from personal experience, also talking to people, living that double life, right? So like one foot in the church, one foot in the world, pretty exhausting, pretty miserable. Is that kind of, was that your experience as well? Like you were exhausted and miserable by the time you were done with high school? Yeah, I would say um, there was quite a bit. Also in this time, there was quite a bit of family turmoil going on um, for those in in my private life. Uh, My wonderful older sibling is non-binary. Um, And I love them very, very much. And they're amazing. And one of the things that was happening in that time period was some major family shifts around that and some confronting of that. And so I, who am very much a people pleaser by nature and want to fix the problem, um, that watching that happen was something that very deeply affected me at this time period Mm -hmm. on top of living the double life and trying to figure out what is the real word of God versus what is the reaction of people to God. Those are very different things. Um, And at that time, like in that young adolescent, uh, mid to late adolescent period, that wasn't something I had a solution for at that time. Um, And that was probably the primary thing that caused me to leave was I couldn't justify all the horrible things that were thrown at like my older sibling whom I love very, Mm. very much and didn't view it as being against God at all. Mm. And yet at the same time, constantly dealing with a community that felt that way. Um, And so that process was really tough in there in conjunction with all these other things. So yeah. Yeah, that was a big part of the story. Yeah. And so um, when you couldn't reconcile what you were hearing at church, and then you have this person that you love very much, and then on top of that, uh, both, you know, feet in both camps kind of thing. Yeah. When you went away to college, it was like, I'm, I'm going this way. Is that fair to say? Oh, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> oh yeah like i blasted off to the evergreen state college which for those of you who don't know is about as hippie and about as alternative as it gets for yeah. a public school there's no grades you are given a full evaluation there's customizable fully uh like fully bespoke careers and uh degrees and certificates you can get coming out of it very 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 much naturey pretty heavily liberal um pretty much entirely liberal now that i think about it mm-hmm. and i was like yes i want this mm-hmm. uh, this sounds perfect I just want to go and explore this world, which I've been kind of locked out of, which I've kind of been on the fringes of for a little bit. Um, And so I flung myself in and I found the hippies right away. Literally first day, my dad and stepmom walked me onto campus and there is a table for the natural building club (laughs) sitting right there at the entrance to the hub. And I was like, yes, okay. What's the natural building club? What is that? Oh, uh, pretty much it's people who build and do construction and do uh, sustainable projects using sustainable materials. So cob and sustainable other sources using recycled cork, using recycled materials, using all manner of different construction methods. Um, Kind of think earth ships, think like like, uh, land centric design, things like that, regenerative structures. So I kind of flung myself into that <laughs> first thing. I was in a friend group immediately that was very much spiritual, new agey, positive. And um, at the time, like I, I went to Evergreen for about a year and a half or so. For that year and a half, boy, was there a ton of lessons learned about the upsides and downsides of that. Um, because one, you realize that you have no real training for how to navigate these things. And then at the same time, what I wound up running into was a lot of the same feelings I had towards like religious folks in my life, where initially I was like, oh, like religion, I can't do this because like people are being hypocritical about what I've been taught people are hurting each other and lying and just being people people are still doing that as religious people and I was really frustrated by that and so I was like ah why don't I go find another group maybe they'll be different and the real answer is they're not (laughs) not. (laughs) you mean they're everywhere Uh, they're everywhere they're they're everywhere and I'm really glad I learned that at Evergreen and I still have friends that I adore who are a part of those circles. I do not inherently view all of all of what I experienced at Evergreen as ooh, evil or bad. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's not. Not all of it yeah. is that way. Um, how did your dad, um, just cutting in here a little bit, how did oh, your dad course, yeah. and stepmom, they're Christians, right? How did they feel about, did they know you were walking away from Christianity when you enrolled at Evergreen? And <laughs> that? how did they well, react to that? Part of part of my self call out in this is I got to be a very effective evader and liar when I was in high school. I didn't want anyone to know pretty much anything mm-hmm. of what I was going through internally. So it's 
easily the most toxic side of being a people pleaser is the ability to essentially people please yourself into a whole other person. And so they knew roughly that I probably wasn't following the exact tenets anymore and that I was probably having all kinds of fun. Um, <laughs> but I wouldn't talk to them that way. I would, on calls back, I would always be very careful to pad things. I would pad my stories around like, oh, hey, like this this person, oh, like I, I could never, I could never because I, I follow God and I do this. I could never do that. And I was totally doing that. So it's not proud of that. Definitely not proud of that. There's lots of wounds in there, which I'm still recovering from as a result of those tendencies. Um, but it wasn't until probably a couple of years after that, which I was able to be a little more open about, hey, I'm not following this right now. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they had some understanding of that and they could definitely read me better than I thought they could read me. So yeah, yay, <laughs> that. Um, <laughs> very very good <laughs> but <laughs> yes it wasn't wasn't a very seamless thing we'll just put it there my mom on the other hand my mom pretty much knew everything like i felt much more at the time that and honestly in, in many parts today um both my parents have of course their strengths and weaknesses and like you you go to what brings out those strengths um but my mom, I felt throughout my life, has been able to kind of accept where I was at more easily. And so she knew that I was having some struggles with my faith. She knew a lot of what I got up to. Um, and she has been, by and large, very supportive of it and has been one of the people asking some really critical questions about all the steps in this process. So yeah, my mom's agnostic, but agnostic people are sometimes the best things for strengthening our faith because mm. yeah that outside perspective is really important yeah. so yeah she's always been that way so for you personally what was your relationship with god like um outside of what you were trying to portray to the world you know when you were at youth group or whatever um mm. when you were alone by yourself what was your relationship with god like and during that time of not being, you know, like stepping away from all of that, um, how did it become? In that time, I was really trying to deconstruct what my mental images and assumptions of God were. And so in high school, I very much still had this kind of patriarchal picture of, of like, like, man with a hat and a crown in the clouds being like do this with your life like it very much had that mentality behind it but that shifted mm. once i was really starting to analyze what was really being told to me spiritually like one of the things i was praying about earlier today was there was a time when i was at evergreen that i fully went into uh paganism i was fully pagan I was like, all the gods are real. Everything is everything is real and a different aspect of God in that way. And so it really shifted over to incorporating all these other ideas of what God could actually look like. So at this point, that meant I was like 
I had like little altar boxes and I was leaving offerings. And at one point uh, when I was at Evergreen, I attended like some really intense rituals and I wound up, it sounds really crazy, but I wound up being possessed at one point. And that was a really alien, strange, scary feeling. Like I, I wound up going through that and putting myself in a lot of danger in that time period. And again, I'm 18, 19, 20 at this time. So right at the turning point of how you're figuring out how to be an adult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I wanted to challenge myself and what I thought of God. And so. It sounds like you were really searching the whole time, even though you had stepped away. Lots of searching. Yeah. Lots of searching. Is that fair? Oh, yeah. Um, really searching for what that meant. Um, because even, even though I was still doing rituals and like invocations and offerings and crystals and all that, even though I was still doing that, I still prayed normally. That would still happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and I would try and explain that to people at the time who were confused by that. And I'd be like, it just feels like the right thing to do still. So very much searching. <laughs> very much searching. <laughs> yeah. So how long did that time of trying all these different things and really pretty much rejecting Christianity at that time? How did that how long did that last? And was it fulfilling? Even though you were saying you found hypocrisy there too, were there things that were really attractive about that period in your life? For me, one of the biggest things that drew me away uh, from Christianity, just kind of in the in the day to day of it, was um, I felt like my identity just as a person was dependent on uh, just kind of the sort of assumptions that we have of, of Christian culture. It's like, oh, the woman is supposed to look this way. The man is supposed to look this way. You're supposed to get married. You're supposed to do all these things. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the healing parts of that, which I really did take away from it, was being able to being able to put that away for a little while, being able to say, hey, I need to look at why this is or if this is, I need to look at if there's any validity to what I've been told for a long time. I need to figure out what is an authentic and beautiful expression of self versus what's just another kind of disguised element of control that you tend to see at play in more organized religions and also in groups that are recovering from them. Hmm. Um, that still tends to very much be at play. And one thing which I think... You mean the sin nature goes across the board? <laughs> Wherever wow. you go? Fucking wow. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and like a, a thing I really started to notice with the hippie spiritual community I found myself in was a lot of the people who are attracted to that are also trying to escape something. Mm. Um, like I was trying to escape. I was trying to escape a lot of the wounds I had from a Christian community. Um, I was trying to escape really critically analyzing and healing my relationships with my family. I was trying to 
uh, figure out how to forgive myself for the deception I had created for myself for six years of my life. I would like all these things I was trying to escape from. And in that community, you see a lot of people trying to escape. And in reality, you, you can't, you, you can't run away from these things. A, a dear friend of mine said, like, wherever you go, there you are. Hmm. Um, and I think that's attributed to a few other people. Um, and I wish I could remember their names, but that's how it is. It, it honestly is like you are there no matter where you are at. Mm-hmm. And so being able to give myself time to kind of put this expectation of having a religion and having a belief and having all these things, being able to put that down was actually quite healing in a way. Um, was there lots of dark stuff in there? Of course. Of course there was, but we can't have faith unless you are tested, like unless we're tested for that. Um, You need to be able to have people come in and challenge things. You need to be able to look at the world outside of what a religion is supposed to be. Because if you have no, if you have no test to that, what good is it going to do anybody? I'm sorry, but like literally, what what good is it going to do the world if it just falls over in five minutes? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it took me, you know, six years to be able to really critically analyze it. But I don't regret that time mm-hmm. at all. Like that was really powerful for me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, were you reading the Bible at all during that time? I know you said you were praying still. Did you open the Bible and search that at all? Or was that part Mm -hmm. of the journey? That was really part of the journey. There would be moments where I would, um, (laughs) this, this sounds kind of sacrilegious and I'm sorry in advance, but I, one of the things I would do for a while is I would find because um, people give away Bibles constantly. You can find an old Bible in pretty much any thrift shop or free pile or anything. They are right. everywhere, which is great. But I would make blackout poetry out of old Bibles. And I would find the verses which I wrestled with as a younger person. And I would make blackout poetry out of them. Um, which, What's blackout poetry? Uh, essentially what, what blackout poetry is, is... Uh, taking a piece of paper of an already written poem or passage or script or even just a block of words, like out of a textbook, people have done it. Um, And you go through line by line and you block out all of the letters except for one. Mm. And you go all the way down the page until you've blacked out all of these words and only kept the words that really create a brand new statement or poem or message out of it. So Mm. it's a very unique form of poetry and it's not easy to do. It is very, very difficult to do that poetry. Um, But I would do that. I would do that at multiple points as just kind of a individual art project, hypothesizing, processing a little ritual for me. And yeah, it was really interesting interacting in that spiritual space with that in the background because all of, all of the religious Im- 
impressions I got, all of those would also influence my art and they would influence my spells and they would influence how I interacted with people. And, and you like to pretend that you don't know that you're doing these things are just like, oh, I'm just inspired by that. Oh, I just think the aesthetics are so cool. Like I can say that all I want, but for me, it was processing from a much deeper place throughout that time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I'd say that was probably the biggest, biggest piece of the Bible okay. there. Okay. What about the person of Jesus Christ? How was that part of um, that that period of six six years was that still in play when you were doing you know dabbling in the occult and the new age and all of these different <laughs> things that you were exploring? Um, was he still was that still part of that? Because I've heard I've heard many people say wherever you go. In fact, I've I've had a guest on here before. She was like, I was into the new age and occult, and you still hear about Jesus. You still hear mm-hmm. about him wherever you go. Was that part of your experience as well? Well, the fascinating part about Jesus for me is I really wrestled with whether or not I believed he was actually the son of God. Mm -hmm. Um, And to be perfectly fair, that is still something I go back and forth on every once in a while. Um, Just due to the perhaps intentionally crazy claim that it really is like it is both a beautiful and wonderful thing and it is also so big (laughs) it's so so big compared to what we can conceptualize so of course there's a piece of that that's going to be inherently unbelievable um but as far as jesus in this time period i really I remember at the time specifically saying to myself, no, we're just going to put Jesus on the shelf. And when we're ready to open that can of worms, we will get there. God, I can handle Jesus. No. I'm, uh, mm. <laughs> well, <Good>. Interesting. <laughs> That's so interesting. Did you feel like Jesus was uh, more dangerous to what you were? what you were doing at that time or he challenged it more often one yeah a a little bit with the with the miracle working of course and because the debate over whether jesus is really the son of god or not is still really prevalent in the conversation one of the things that can happen is people who are very firm about their faith will often latch on to that and then we'll tie it to another perhaps much more controversial opinion where it's like well i know jesus is son of god therefore this completely arbitrary opinion that i have formed must also be true mm. and it's like no <laughs> we could both believe that jesus is the son of god and have completely different takes on what the passages say and what the scriptures say and for me jesus became associated with the things i hated most at the time mm-hmm. about christianity jesus was used as essentially <laughs> like the reason for why people behaved so abominably towards the lgbt community P- jesus was used as the excuse as to why people just 
embraced fear and prejudice and elitism and all this stuff, all this kind of special mentality that you tend to see. And I couldn't, I couldn't deal with that. At the time I was like, no, this is attached to so much of that, that I can't even go there. Hmm. So, which is so ironic, isn't it? Because Jesus is supposed to be the greatest giver of love and kindness and acceptance and generosity he's supposed to be the representation of that and my heart was so confused and hurt mm. at that point that I couldn't even go there yeah um, and that but he wasn't solved until June <laughs> I mean I understand that though because he also said some really tough things you know yeah. that are easy to wrestle with that would probably be blacked out <laughs> by somebody going through a crisis of faith. Um, because, I, you know, I was just talking to someone the other day. It's very hard to read any type of scripture, including in the Gospels, which we point people to all the time, um, mm -hmm. without being challenged, without feeling like, whoa, how do I, you know, reconcile what the Bible says is truth and love at the same time? Friend, if you're enjoying this episode, you may also enjoy exclusive bonus content each month. Finding Something Real is a podcast that has some costs associated with it. We have a website, monthly subscriptions to stay organized. We design things. We like to pay an assistant producer who keeps things going around here, that kind of stuff. We're not in the business of trying to make money, but we are in the business of wanting to keep this show going and be sustainable. So we use Patreon, and if you haven't heard of it, Patreon is the best place for creators to build memberships by providing exclusive access to their work and a deeper connection with their communities. Each month, patrons who support Finding Something Real get a bonus episode where we recap the month's episodes. Often those episodes feature our co-hosts, and they will often share what this journey was like. There's other perks over there too, and it's easy to get involved. Just go to findingsomethingreal.com and click support at the top of the page. We'd love to have you over there in our Patreon community. So tell me, you're going through that series of time, you know, six years of, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. I don't really want to look at Jesus because that... You know, I, I don't see how you can reconcile, you know, some of this with, with that. How did you end up back here at a place where you're like, no, I actually am interested in this Jesus guy, even though I'm not, you know, I'm still questioning his <laughs> deity. Like, tell me where you're at now, Rachel, where, where are you at? Because um, I know you um, profess to be a Christian now. So tell me about that. Well, Essentially how it started was um, right around, I'd say, late May, early June, I was in Seattle, so Seattle, Washington, um, and of course, like still engaging in a lot of the, a lot of the spiritual community up in the Seattle area, um, living with, uh, living with like my long-term partner at that time, uh, no longer together now. Um, but just really, really, really feeling this sense of life dissatisfaction. Like a lot of stuff had happened up to that point where um, I was a little bit of context clue in there. Like in, in that time period, I was in a long-term um, kind of pseudo polyamorous relationship um very much trying to do the alternative lifestyle thing 
well, not really wanting to, but my people pleaser kicked in um, and just not enjoying the world. I just wasn't enjoying the world. And this is saying a lot after I'd spent a year traveling and being in these beautiful parts of Mexico and all this. And I was like, why do I not feel the joy? Here I am really, really, really fortunate to be able to have done that. And yet I, I don't feel it. What's up? And so I happened to run into a friend who is uh, very much, very much like witchy, spiritual. Um, and she invited me out for just a little catch up. And during the lunch, she just flat out asked me, so how is your relationship with Jesus? Like, what's what's that? Your, your witchy friend? <laughs> yes, yes. But I literally, and I was like, like this is a what a question to hear um <laughs> and i flat out told her i was like i'm gonna wait till israel to adjust how i feel on that I'm okay now hold up that off. hold up mm-hmm. so israel your your dad your dad had to have known by now six years of you you know oh, descending definitely. descending into yeah yeah eventually I'm sure at some point you've come clean about you being hippie, crystal loving, new agey, right? And so oh, yeah. he knows. Oh, yeah. That's definitely what happened. He knows. And so he's praying for you, I'm sure, all the time. And mm-hmm. finally, he says, uh, I'm going to pay. I'll do whatever it takes to get you to go on this trip to Israel with me to explore mm-hmm. about this Jesus that you're not sure that you even want anything to do with. And then <laughs> your witchy friend who you love, but who's really into the occult, uh, reaches out to you and says, How's your relationship with Jesus? That's the true yeah. story. That's what's happened? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. No, there's know. no pushback. I know. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love it. I love how God it's gets a hold of people. Go ahead. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, God uses literally everybody to get people back to him. It doesn't matter if you're a bible toting Christian or not like he will use you to get back to him (laughs) in whatever medium he has um and so yeah she sits there and asks this question very matter-of-factly um and yeah my response was i'm just gonna leave that for israel like Mm -hmm. i'm not even gonna approach that till israel because i knew it was fractured i knew it was super broken and still like at that time it still very much was and gave the oddest response where she was just like oh he's great (laughs) he's great he's wonderful you should get back in touch with him because of course like with with my friend's belief set it was very much around like all the major spiritual figures of the world are like Mm -hmm. all interacting with us all the time that is very much something she believes and there's some serious validity to a lot of that and so Mm -hmm. i was like oh okay all right, I guess I should. And so I got back home and that just kept playing, just kept playing over and over again. I was like, all right, okay, get home. And yeah, I just sit on down and I knew I had to meditate right then and there. I was like, I gotta do this. I have to sit here. I just have to do it. And yeah, I just really felt Jesus sitting with me there's really no other way to explain that and he came on in and it was just like this flood of peace and the thing he asked me in that space which 
like for everyone everyone hears god differently the way i hear it is very much like trying to like quiet your mind down and there'll be like words that'll really come through um and so i very much heard like i'm here to ask for your forgiveness and i i was sitting there and i and i thought that was the strangest thing i'd ever heard because i was sitting there just being like i'm supposed to be asking you I'm supposed to be asking you for forgiveness. I'm the one who's been away. I'm the one who has not been walking the walk, my guy. And he was just so simply replying, I'm asking for forgiveness for those who follow me. They know not what they do. Um, and that was that, honestly, I was like, okay. <laughs> I forgive them. I I forgive you. Do you forgive me? And he was like, I have always loved you. There is nothing to forgive. Hmm. So, yeah. And in that moment, it was like, oh, okay, I guess this is what we're doing now. Um, and the last little thought I had before um, having him kind of fade fade out in, in that sense, he's never fully gone. He also expressed that. Um, was this very clear phrase of i am so excited to see you at my house <laughs> and of course at the time i was like oh the metaphorical house of god that's so nice that's so sweet oh i love that and it's like that's just the most beautiful metaphor it wasn't until i was in israel at capernaum at the site of where Jesus has been proven to have lived that I, I was like, oh, wait, wait, this is, wait, this, this is your actual house. And that impression kind of clicked in again. He was like, yeah, how do you like it? Here it is. <laughs> like, it's right here. Hmm. And so, yeah, lots of kind of spectacular things in that regard but yeah like that was that was the piece that was mm. the piece mm. of that equation so that's really how that introduction happened again well so um i want to go back to something you said there um you said jesus said uh when you you felt like he was speaking to your heart that he's always loved you and that there's nothing to forgive um, do you, did you feel that way? Did you feel like you needed to like turn and repent and, you know, lay those things down that you've been doing? Um, or that he was saying, no, I don't even, don't even worry about that. That's a good question. In the way I interpreted it, it was... I wanted to bring those things forward mostly just for him and for myself. Like, and also in this time, I was really doing some not okay things as far as trying to like, trying to be in that relationship I was in, trying to navigate who I was at that point. Um, there was some stuff I did, which is really not okay in that space. And I had been struggling with a lot of guilt around that and guilt over like 
being a part of witchcrafty stuff and guilt over like kind of hurting myself that way. Like I very much saw it as like, I have been continuously hurting myself right. for a couple of years. Um, and not, not actively, not actively trying to seek that, but just in little ways, just not choosing to honor myself. And it very much felt like Jesus was asking me to forgive me because he's like, no, like you're coming back. You're coming back. Like prodigal child, come home. Mm. That is enough. Mm. <laughs> that alone is enough. We can sort out the details later. Um, Kind of in that just like pure raw acceptance frame. Yeah. And so the thing I've struggled with probably the most since has been self-forgiveness. I am not kind to me. Mm. That has been a constant issue. And now it's reached the point where like, because I have Jesus in my life, because I have a literal son of God looking at me and expecting me to hold myself to the highest possible standard and to nourish and treat myself to the highest possible standard, yeah, I can I can tangibly point to something and say, no, like I am called to something that is really, really powerful. I am called mm -hmm. to a standard that will enrich me and those around me. And coming from a background where I was already like wildly self-sacrificing for the sake of friendships and loved ones, being able to really adjust that and put it on a healthy rock versus just letting that desire to uh like essentially just letting letting that desire to help others kind of consume me that was a huge shift and it's something that I'm still going through like I've mm. it's I'm not even a year into this guys like yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm no not <laughs> expert on how to how to <laughs> do the old Christian thing no I'm not like <laughs> you're figuring it out <laughs> which is why you're here yeah, you're gonna get out like find something that matters first priority figure it out that's the second step on the line so let's talk a little bit about that you're you're figuring it out you um you felt like you had this encounter with the lord you go to israel you see i mean in that whole time that you were pushing against christianity did you ever question like the historical Jesus, was that something that you questioned or was that always a given that, you know, when you went to Israel, you'd be like, yeah, Jesus, this, this is a real thing. Or was there any like, cause sometimes I'll have people on here who don't believe in the historical Jesus at all, but it sounds mm -hmm. like for you, you knew he was a real guy. It was just a matter of, and still is maybe exactly who is he? Would that be fair to say? Oh yeah. Like I've always, I've always known like rock solid, like Jesus existed. You don't, you don't just get to invent someone that has <laughs> that much impact on people. And while I was in Israel, there's a number of really important discoveries that have been made within the last like 10 years that have confirmed huge pieces of the New Testament, huge pieces, the confirmation of Pontius Pilate. He was around. There was a plaque dedicated to him that they found. Mm -hmm. um, all these, all these little little pieces are still being uncovered, and I. That was something that 
really solidified it for me a long time ago. It was like, well, history, that's that's a good foundation to build this on. Like right. building it on actual history is a really good rock to start with. Um, the nitty gritty details of like, I, of course, people can disagree with me. I view them as nitty gritty details. Um, was Was Jesus the son of God or has he been like created into an allegory by time mm. that stuff which i actually don't i don't place as much importance on in the scheme of what christianity represents because at the end of the day whether jesus is the literal son of god or an allegory for all that is beautiful and wonderful and should be aspired to and the best of humanity and the best of what like god has called us to do for me I just want people to get that goodness. I just I just want them to have that goodness. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to like have little wafflings on whether he was literally the son of God or not. Like yeah, for me that's that's just not as important. Well, would you would you mind if we explored that as the question oh, on here? Yeah. Because I feel like I mean, I'm not going to push back on that right now. That's not what I do in the first episode, but I feel like it's kind of a big deal. I mean, and I think that there's some people who might share about that in a way that is both expressing that it's a big deal and at the same time being um, mindful of what you've been through and compassionate and kind and loving um, while also putting forth maybe some strong arguments uh, in a loving way uh, that (laughs) Jesus being the son of God is a central component of the Christian faith. And I don't, um, I don't say that to, um, you know, (laughs) uh, I don't know, make you feel bad. Um, I'm saying that because I think that it's actually a really important piece. And I think that for those listening, it would be important to understand why and for me even personally listening to your story it's very compelling Rachel and you sharing about that journey of just trying to find something real really um, Mm -hmm. there's going to be people that really relate to that but I feel like even if it's not a major issue for you there's plenty of theologians out there who are going to say actually it's kind of a big deal and so I say let's Mm -hmm. explore it Let's have somebody on here who's yeah, going to challenge it. that um, that idea and uh, explain why. Um, is that fair? Would that be okay? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's dig in. <laughs> Let's dig into that. So number one, we're going to ask about uh, Jesus and his deity and why is it important. And then you had some other great questions on here. And like you said, you're figuring this out. You've, you know, you had this prodigal period now you've come back and it's got to feel where are you today as far as all of this is it you had all these hippie friends so I'm sure are still your friends and they're probably wondering what happened to Rachel am I right and are you kind of wondering like (laughs) oh man I mean where am I at right now yeah there's a lot of different pieces to that one because what Jesus specifically told me to do coming out of Israel and while I was in Israel was uh, end my relationship that I was in. Mm. Uh, and for me at that at that time, uh, that meant leaving almost everything. That meant leaving a community. That meant leaving a family. That meant leaving a man that I loved 
loved that meant leaving a city that meant leaving a, a way of life where we were full-time travelers um that meant leaving everything i understood to be true it meant um yeah friendships family relationships all of it all of it together and um, you did it did you do it did you really yeah do it? i did it yeah i did wow. it um why why did you do it were you that how did you know it was him how did you know he was asking you to do it it was like every time you reach into yourself there's the thoughts that live up here in the brain there's the thoughts that coexist and kind of mingle and cloud things up there's things that you would tell yourself and can spin around up here and if you let it get quiet for just a little bit this says something entirely different that had been happening for probably a year hmm. a full year before all this and right at that time these thoughts were super loud and trying to keep that together the thoughts in your head it's like mm -hmm, of just like no i'm gonna make this work we're gonna have this life it's gonna be great i'm gonna get married these things are gonna happen they are going to happen these is this is what i want right um and that <laughs> like that little question mark at the end comes from here um and so when i was in israel and when i got the opportunity to be away and kind of clear the channels as is, is talked about often. Yeah. Like, and, and ver I very much felt like it was Jesus. I couldn't, I couldn't say that it was just God or like, as I have had before, like, no, this is Jesus walking me through this. Um, yeah. Like every time I would let those clear, like he was right here, just being like, take up your cross come on take up your cross I know it's gonna be hard um and at that time taking up the cross was so much more promising and beautiful and life-giving than the idea of spending another five years than spending another 10 years. Um, and even, even when on the surface, all of that looked healthy, all of that looked fine. The idea of spending five more years in that and going through with getting married and probably getting a nasty divorce and probably getting all, all this stuff, the idea of going through with that was so much more painful. Hmm. Than just putting it down and walking um did that prove to be true <laughs> the other big question on there did that prove to be true um it's been a rough year like 2022 was a really challenging year and just like jesus told me we'll get to the details later he's doing that right now <laughs> like yeah. he's really doing that right now like when he calls us to be refined when he calls us to walk with him, when he calls us to learn with him, mm -hmm. that's not easy. That's not easy in any way, shape or form. And it feels like being a little, a little toddler with guardrails. And it's like, oh, can I do that? Oh, I don't know. 
does that feel good? Well, it used to, but now it doesn't. Oh, but this does, this feels better than it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like he has such a way of working with that. Um, and I was telling a friend the other day, uh, God doesn't give just, God doesn't just give blessings. Hmm. He gives you learning moments. Like you may think that it's purely a blessing at first, or you may think that it's purely a, a judgment at first. But as my dad says, God's the master chess player. Like everything that is introduced is meant to pull something important out of you, is meant to like call you to something and to challenge something in you that is holding you back from reaching him. Mm. So when I have received great blessings of community, I was also challenged in how do I actually think about Jesus? How do I actually participate in community where some of the people you're around don't agree with you politically, don't agree with you spiritually sometimes. Can you still be in that community? Can you still love those people relentlessly and powerfully? Let's let's give it a shot. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. when people are talking to you about like, okay, well, what are the specifics of what you think God looks like right now? Like, yeah, that's a community thing you need to be challenged on that like yeah so, so you're you're in community you you go to a church pretty faithfully i i believe mm -hmm. right you're around other christians um and privately do you find that you are wrestling with god's word are you reading it now without blacking out uh, some of the words or how has that been for you because i know the bible is challenging it's challenging for anyone who reads it it's challenging but i feel like that's one of the the truest ways that God reveals himself, you know, um, is reading the word of God. So how has that been for you in the last, you know, nine months or whatever it's been? Well, one of the biggest things that's come out of that has been just this, just a, a lot of reframing, I'd say. One of the things I've started doing every morning is doing a devotional, for example, um, and it's a very structured devotional. It's Bible in one year. It's a great app. Um, and it's so helpful to have the framing be there for myself of like being able to check that framing, of course, too, like with other people I'm around. And as far as digging into the Bible, and of course, like I'm starting to do that every morning, there are pieces of it that I do still struggle with. But if I pray over that, there will be insights that come out. There will be. Yeah. Um, like I had a really big one recently, uh, just as an example, no nothing that we need to dig into, but um, around like the Adam and Eve story. I had a couple of really big ones come around that where I was like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, I conceptualized this very differently than what it's telling me now in my life. Um, and just in in Christian community, uh, one thing I definitely notice is that, at least in myself, the specifics of certain little details of belief and, and sometimes really profound details of belief 
they, they change and they're supposed to change and you're supposed to recheck your resources and you're supposed to look at different translations. You're supposed to see the, like the, what are the histories of translations? Like where did these books originate from? Like who was Paul as a man while he was living his life and writing Ephesians and Corinthians and all the other heavy hitters that have caused strife, especially in America right now, I would say, and in different pockets of the world right now. Um, that takes discipline to do. That That's a muscle. you got to mm. flex the muscle. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm getting that muscle down. <laughs> well, good for you. <laughs> well, I'm excited because... I mean, we're going to dive into some of these different topics that you you wrote down here. And um, frankly, I already wrote down two. So the one is uh, the deity of Christ, right? And why why is that even important? And the second one is self-forgiveness and repentance. And that whole topic of, you know, where does that come in and why does it matter? Um, because you brought up both of those topics already. But you also, yeah, thumbs up. Perfect. Um, you also wrote down, because I asked what kind of questions or doubts you might have about Christianity or belief in general. You said, my biggest questions revolve around the nature of suffering, how to support and uplift those we disagree with, conflicts between different congregations of God, liberal versus conservative church beliefs, and how Christians can be present in social change and justice. Um Let's get specific about some of those. What are some questions that you have that we could uh, reach out to people and say, hey, um, these are some things that we'd really like to talk about. Go ahead, Rachel. Give it to them. The biggest one on my heart probably right now is well, and I'll I'll give a little background to this. Um, in Israel, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is a beautiful, beautiful testament to many, many, many uh, sub-congregations of Christianity's love for Christ. At the same time, <laughs> none of these groups like each other, and there's perhaps no greater testament to how Christianity doesn't get along with itself than the Church to the Holy Sepulchre, uh, while at the same time being this perfect example of how much our art and our devotion to God can create such works of beauty in commemorating Christ. How do Christians across many, many, many flavors of faith bridge this gap of competition between between faith styles essentially I, i'm not phrasing that very well right now but That's good. how do i as a very very like much more liberal leaning christian who has like some like pretty radical still a little hippie still a little hippie in there <laughs> use on these things how how can i love and get along with and make real change in the world with like my Christian brothers and sisters who are like much more conservatively conservatively leaning or in orthodox sections of the faith or are perhaps more on the Seventh-day Adventist end or even on the Mormon end. Like how do these things get resolved together instead of 
endlessly, endlessly driving us apart as society has kind of demonstrated, history has demonstrated that these keep pulling us away from each other. And this is really a time period where we really can't let that happen. <laughs> That's happening too much on an individual level. And I also think part of that question is what are the essentials and what are the non-essentials, right? Yeah. Where Which of course ties to what we were talking about earlier with like deity and mm -hmm. do you conceptualize Christ as full, full deity, the son of God, or do you view him like potentially more as an allegory? Mm -hmm. Like that is definitely going to play into that whole. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting because, well, we don't need to talk about all of that right now. I'm just thinking of your experience <laughs> with the historical Jesus in Israel. Um, the, I, I can't wait to hear that conversation. I am looking forward to a preview. That's going to be a really good conversation. Uh, talking to <laughs> Rachel, you need to be here for that one. <laughs> We're just going to have to make that happen. Um, that's really good. Also, um, you mentioned the question of suffering. I, I think that that's a question across the ages. Do you want to yep. speak briefly on that? One of the, I think one of the key points that draws a lot of people away from Christianity that I think Christians also really go back and forth on is um, how does how does suffering play a hand in the work of God and also in in the work of Satan, because mm. I feel like there's a big question of what is suffering that is intentionally caused by God, like, and, and this is much, much less in like human suffering is in like, ah, like, horrible things are happening, but more so in painful moments in transformational moments, versus what can we look at as essentially works of the agent of discord. So that is, of course, something that goes all the way back to the yeah. curse and how uh, many, many Christians interpret the works of the curse and what is God's hand and counteracting that. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a big piece, too. Yes. There's a lot of ways to work with it. I mean, we're going to have some very full discussions here. I'm going to retell another another one that you didn't put on here, but I think is super important that we discuss. Given what you've shared about your history, I would really like to have someone on here to differentiate New Age versus Christianity, and somebody mm -hmm. maybe who's mm -hmm. been in that realm and who can speak to the difference of you know someone who's a little further along than maybe nine months out, right? Like, what were the things that had to be turned from? The, the repentance word, right? And I, I like how you you shared, you know, <laughs> about how it's both, right? It's the repentance, like, you knew, like, these are things I shouldn't be doing. But also, ultimately, like, it's damaging you, right? Like, they're, they're things that were damaging you. So what I would really like to do is get somebody on here to speak to that, uh, to the things that, uh, you know, what did you what, what did, did you turn from? Um, and what things did you keep? Um, because like you said, you don't, you, you learn some things through that process. Um, and then finally, um, I think this is a great question too. And it's interesting because you know we'll have somebody on here um, with more Orthodox Christian beliefs. And I think that this is a really yeah. interesting um, question, especially given the fact that you've admitted that you're more liberal leaning on this. 
but how Christians can be present in social change and justice. Because I think sometimes um, when I speak to my friends who are uh, more progressive in their beliefs, especially when it comes to Christianity, um, that's one area where they feel a little bit of like, hey, I'm more focused on this uh, than you and your orthodox beliefs over here. Uh, But we're going to find somebody who can bridge the gap, who can talk about that and maybe do some challenging that way as well. Um, But if you want to add anything to that, did I get that right? Social change and justice. Is that good? Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because that's also another assumption that people have, like, Mm -hmm. is that, oh, like you're you're mm-hmm. more conservatively leaning, therefore you just don't want like right. justice to be served in the world. It's like, no, yeah, no, that is not real. Like, it's just a, it's a different perspective on seeing like justice wanting to be dealt in the world that often has the same roots, like yep. the same roots of love and redemption. Like they're, they're both there. Well, and to make it more, you know, personal to you and your experience, how can, uh, you know, somebody who holds to traditional Christian beliefs, uh, you know, aspire to love and affect social change and justice for someone in the LGBTQ community, for somebody who um, identifies as non-binary, how can um, somebody who believes what the Bible says um, and believes that those things were written even for today, uh, you know, still love well in the midst of all of that? Because that's going to be a very, very important piece of your journey moving forward because of the people in your life who you love, right? Am I correct? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 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 So I will tell you this, Rachel, these conversations are going to be nuanced and um, they're going to be tender. But I can also tell you, I think there's going to be some um, there's going to be some challenge uh, because of some of the things that you've brought up. Are you okay with that? You're going to be challenged. Yeah. Okay. Like, I'm a I'm a little baby in, in this <laughs> world, but that's okay. I, it's good for me to, like, as I've told you, the more challenge we have in a loving and constructive way, mm-hmm. the more that people can talk to each other about hard things and learn the language of doing that well. Yeah. That's big. That's really big. Yeah. Because we can't, we can't help each other out. We can't love each other well without it. So it's like, okay. Yeah. And something and if I... they change me too, like if, if, if they can affect and like call my beliefs into question, have me come back and be like, oh, wow. <laughs> Holy hell. Okay. All right. Let's look at that. That actually makes way more sense than, oh no, how terrible. Like... <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I want, I, there's one other question on here that you didn't necessarily articulate, but I want to ask it of you because I think perhaps it's um, implied by some of these things that we've talked about. Um, Mm -hmm. We've talked about people of other faith systems. Um, Your mom came from a different faith system. You've been, you know, involved in different faith systems. You mentioned the deity of Christ and whether, you know, that's more, you know, representing the best things of everybody. I mean, I've definitely heard people like Richard Rohr speak into, you know, that kind of idea. In fact, I would say he's probably the main proponent in a lot of ways of some of that mindset. But all that to say, where that often leads, um, and when I listen to Rohr or some of those teachings, um, is all roads lead to God. 
Um, is that something that we should talk about on here as well? Whether, you know, Christ is exclusive and what that means as far as loving other people of different belief systems. Because I'm wondering if that might be part of um, the conversation here. I feel like that would be a pretty important one to bring into it because like I know for myself, one of the things that has kind of started my new faith journey, given my background, given what I've been coming from is very much kind of in the Richard Rohr mentality of things where it's like God kind of expresses himself in a number of different avenues. Um, But one of the things I've been digging into a lot lately, uh, especially in the last six months, especially is, well, like, does, does that mean like, even if, even if we're all on different avenues to God, and we're all going to get there. Aren't there still some that work a little better like that's a that's something which i've been thinking about a lot is like are there like like i don't know like <laughs> i don't have a concrete answer in the bible sometimes i look at it and it's oh amazing yes 100 percent. this is so good and then there's other passages which i read them and i'm like mm, i've heard that better said in the prophet by khalil gibran and his work of poetry, an amazing Lebanese poet, by the way, everyone, everyone read him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like some, sometimes I hear the same thing, but it comes through a different avenue a little more clearly than our modern concepts can interpret the Bible. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, can't that just apply to other faith systems too? So mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there's a lot of that in there. And I'm, I'm already pretty heavily universalist leaning as is so that's an inclination of my heart (laughs) yeah that doesn't mean it's right it doesn't mean i should feel that way but it's something which i feel more receptive to overall yeah so yeah that would be a really cool facet of the conversation because i think it ties a lot yeah and i think too you know for you um now i don't know you very well but i you're very articulate and it seems like maybe your verbal processor a little bit. I, I, um, I'm like that uh, sometimes. So maybe if after each conversation, we just agree that once the guest leaves, you and I can verbally process a little bit of what, what took place. Because I, I do know that, um, you know, Jesus being who he said he was, him, you know, being the way, the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me, all of that. All of that is probably going to push against some of these things that you, you've adapted or that you want you want to believe. Which I understand. I understand. I I haven't been through your faith journey, but listening to you share where you're at, I can understand why you're where you're at right now. Um, and I know that these will these conversations will challenge because I've been doing this for a little while. But what I really appreciate <laughs> what I really appreciate is that you're here. Uh, that you're willing to do this because I, it seems to me that you really want uh, to go deeper with the real thing. Um, Is that fair? Oh, yeah. 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 Why, why are you here, Rachel? And what do you hope to get from this journey? 
I'm here because one of the things I really realized in my first relationship with Christianity was that there's the culture and then there's what's real like the bedrock of your work there's what you may hear other people tell you there's assumptions there's expectation and then there's real and I remember being in middle school, being 11, 12 years old and being so frustrated that no one was willing to give me like a really solid in-depth answer or even just a discussion around the things that are tearing society apart right now the questions around christianity the questions around god the questions around jesus christ that have destroyed families that have absolutely just devastated relationships that have ripped government like just understanding apart that have challenged politics and I think that's a frustration that a lot of people in my generation feel like <laughs> shouting out the Ashbury revival right now. It's like, we're all going through this. And especially like, given that there are so many young women who are featured on this podcast who are going through the same thing. Um, the more avenues we can work through that, the better, the more conversations we can have really going into these really core facets of what this is all supposed to be about. I can't view that as a bad thing because I am, I am thirsty for it. I have been starving for it for the majority of my life. And yeah, no better time to start than now. So I hope that in this journey, it, it just, it opens the pathway for which people can speak to each other with love and also with clarity and with truth like because you can do both that is what jesus illustrates over and over and over and over and over again he flipped tables out of love he screamed at demons to leave people's bodies out of love he <laughs> challenged the bedrock of the roman government out of love because he loved the romans because he loved like every diseased sick in pain person that has ever been on the earth like felons and tax collectors and prostitutes like like we're doing this work because he loved them mm -hmm. did he agree with them in what they were doing no no he wasn't but here we are right mm -hmm. here we are we are all the liars and the tax collectors and the thieves yeah. and here we are all loving him and following him and analyzing what we love about him mm. so yeah mm. let's let's look at why <laughs> <laughs> i love that and uh i always ask the the same final question um at least i try i think i've forgotten a couple of times um <laughs> but usually it's this this is the final question um, the Finding Something Real podcast, Rachel, 
It's about a journey. It's about a journey to finding something real. Real is an acronym for restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. All gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, Which of those things, restoration, eternity, authenticity, or love, which one stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? I think authenticity is the big one just because after 10 years of not knowing who I am at all, that is the final piece of the puzzle that's getting fit into place. And Jesus has always been the missing puzzle piece. And he's still trying to fit in there. He's still trying to fit exactly in the right way. Like he's, he's still like, like the question around like a deity, the question around like, what, what is he really? Like, of course it's almost in, but we're fitting that in right now. Um, and what is love, but authenticity. So, yeah. Well, Rachel, I can't wait for this because these are going to be some great conversations, I can tell you right now. And I really, really appreciate you sharing your journey by being open and vulnerable and honest and allowing people to um, hear where you're at and being open to um, having some interesting conversations in this. I hope you come back as much as possible. And I can't wait. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.